I'm going to go to Ephesians 5 and 22. And uh, you may read it upon the board. I think we'll have it up there. Be my translation from the original Greek text. So we'll get right into it. The wives, make yourself subject. That is a middle imperative. By that it means it's an action performed by oneself for oneself. Instead of it being done to you, instead of being you being made subject, wives uh, make yourself subject to their own husbands as to the Lord. Because man is head of the woman as Christ is also head of the church, the Savior himself of the body. Thus we conclude, as the church is always subject to Christ, so also wives are subject to their husbands in every way. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up on behalf of it in order that he might set it apart that is holify it the word is actually after he has holified Hagiadzo, or set it apart after cleansing it with the washing of the water by the word in order that he might present unto himself the church Glorified, having neither spot nor wrinkle or anything like that. On the contrary, that she should be holy without blemish. Everybody say amen. amen. And thus men are under obligation to love their wives as their own bodies. The one who loves his wife loves himself. Because no man has ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, and the word means raises it up, and comforts it, that word actually means keep it warm, just as Christ also does for the church. I'm glad he keeps us warm. Some of you right now need it, I know, with the air conditioning. <clears throat> Just as Christ also so does for the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, must join himself to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The mystery, musterion, a thing heretofore unknown, the mystery is profound, but I, speak, I am speaking as to the church. In other words, it's a mystery, but I should have no problem because I'm speaking to the church. And they understand this mystery. Nevertheless, let each of you individually love his own wife as he loves himself. And the wife take care that she show proper respect to her husband. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I give you for the sake of remembering the world's first prophet. The world's first prophet. This is one of the most shunned scriptures in the New Testament. 
It's an embarrassment to some Christian organizations. Baptist uh, Conference, or who were just in conference, almost, I don't know what the deal was, but almost backed out of this scripture. Because this is the day when uh, there's women's lib. And uh, when we believe, uh, the culture says that uh, there's equality. And they don't know what in the world they're talking about with equality uh, in reference to scripture. The reason is there is a, Paul says, I'm speaking a mystery, but I'm talking to the church. Only the church understands what is being said in this scripture. Amen. You didn't shout on that. But uh, only the church understands. But this idea, this scripture, is the basis of the holiness that God has said that we must have. I'm like uh, the Brother Pew, I believe it was, said, uh, whatever holiness is, we got to have it. Amen. Because without it, no man can see God. Amen. So some way or another, you got to make up your mind what you think it is. And strange what some people believe that it actually is. That's really strange. But in the scripture, we are talking about going back to the beginning. And the more I study Paul, and as well the apostle Peter, I see that they are constantly referring back to creation for everything they teach, especially in reference to holiness. From this pulpit at conference in different places, I taught one year on sanctuary symbolisms. The word holy, hagios in Greek, kodesh in Hebrew, in Sumerian, the earliest language was kedeshu. And it did not have its beginning with Hebrew. In the original beginning, the meaning of holiness, Kedishu meant withdrawal. And it meant withdrawal back into the state that man had with God in the garden. That's why you call it sanctuary. This is supposed to be a sanctuary where we come in holiness and withdraw back into the presence of God. Later on, it began to mean uh, set apart, separateness, and so forth. But uh, the apostles uh, agreed together. They got together, were together. Paul went up and visited. Actually, the Bible said he histered with Peter for 15 days and the brother of Jesus, whose name uh, was James. They made history together. And you remember, might have remembered, I told you, I became interested on in what they might have discussed those 15 days. Wouldn't you like to have been there? Paul said, I got everything I got from direct revelation. But lest I 
am running or I have run in vain. I went up uh, and visited and history didn't see the apostles. So I took the words that they used, nobody else used in the Greek and found out some things they discussed. And one thing they discussed was that men should pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. And the original Greek says without anger and without argument. Amen. Women, likewise, the word is homios, similarly are just like this. Women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Amen. In shamefacedness, that's hakirponim, that's a blanched face, shocked face. And uh, somebody asked about uh, jewelry, there's enough scripture to choke a mule on. Not, uh, not the entwining of hair and gold or the putting on or adorning with pearls and uh, so on, names, uh, other things. So when they taught holiness and uh, they always went back to the beginning and said women are to be in subjection uh, to their husband the strangest thing because Adam was made first. A strange statement that uh, they're to be in subjection because Adam was made first. And uh, the scripture says that Adam was not, the word is the word normal word for deceived, planeo. He uh, did not begin, the original would say, Adam did not begin to be deceived, but Eve was ekpleneo. She was deceived out. It's almost like you'd say she was, if a player of a ball team, she was faked out. And uh, for this reason, uh, you never talk about uh, the man's original sin being Eve. She was the one who ate the fruit first. But you talk about Adam's sin is because he is responsible for the unit. Amen. You never talk about Eve's sin. You talk about Adam's sin. And uh, the strangest thing, the world's first prophet was Adam. Now, I've uh, translated uh, from the original Hebrew what happened. It's an amazing thing when you look at what happened in the garden. Uh, the Lord made man in his image and his likeness. And uh, he brought all the other animals before Adam. And Adam called each one of them by name. But it says there was not one suited to him. And therefore, the Lord put him to sleep. And we have the word rib. It is from his side. It's the same word that's used for the side of the tabernacle in the wilderness. But from his side, he took Eve. And did you know God presented Eve to Adam? You know what he said? At last because he had named all these other creatures 
And he said, at last, one that is like me. This is actually flesh, a bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This is actually me. Therefore, now there's a lot of disagreement among some scholars whether this is an interruption by the writing of Moses uh, in the Torah or whether this is the continuation of Adam speaking. But actually, uh, I, I'm convinced that it is ludicrous language to break it up and Moses to inject. But uh, he is talking, Adam is talking and said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. And there wasn't any other men and there wasn't fathers and mothers yet. But strange thing, it didn't say the woman is to leave her father and mother, but the man is to leave his father and mother. I heard some young ladies say amen about that. <laughs> You're going to find out the reason why. <laughs> amen. All right, I'm fooling around here now. Amen. But in actuality, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to move on. In actuality, the reason is, is because this was a type. He was the first Adam. You know who the second Adam was. First Adam was made a living soul. Uh, uh, last man Adam was made a life-giving spirit. But Adam prophesied and said, because this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, because of this, a man is going to leave his place because he loves so much. He will leave his place and be joined to his wife. Now let me talk about uh, Ben Shikar just a little bit. Most subtle creature of the field came to Eve and like an insurance salesman, he didn't say, you need to buy this, you need to eat this. But he asked her a question and it was wrong. Uh, didn't God say that you couldn't eat of any fruit of the uh, garden and she said no that's not the way it was we may indeed eat of every tree of the garden except one and then she added a little bit to it we shall not eat it nor even touch it she exaggerated a little bit that's the reason the scripture Paul says that she was deceived out but she was promised omniscience you would like to be like God, the most desirable thing that they wanted to be like God was to know everything, omniscience. So you remember the story? She ate it. Listen to this. When she brought the fruit to Adam, he was not deceived. Remember that. He knew she was dying because God had told him the day you eat, you die. And he knew that she had eaten. He was looking at that thing which he had loved and said at last, that which is suited to me, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Loved it so much 
that he had a choice to make. Now, do I stay in like I am, refuse to eat it, and stay where I am with what we would call his father in the garden? Or am I going to join her and eat it and die? You know the story? He loved her so much that he chose to eat. He was not deceived. He knew he would die, but he made the choice. And Paul, talking about the mystery of the church, said Christ had a choice to make. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He had a choice. He could either stay like he was or he could take upon himself the sin of the world and die like you and I who were dying. We were dying, amen? We were without hope, we were lost, and we were undone. What a difference, what a gulf. What a spence there was between us. Oh, wonders of wonders that he did not stay. In the garden that night, the flesh says, if it's possible, let it pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. In order to understand how much a man is supposed to love his wife and what he's supposed to do for her, You've got to understand how much Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The preacher that said holiness puts the greatest responsibility upon the woman doesn't know what he's talking about because it is Adam who has to make the choice. Amen? We've got a Bible to obey for sure, but... Uh, he had a choice to make and he made that choice. We have to realize that it is for this reason that holiness remembers creation. And Paul says because Adam was made first and then Eve. Why? Does that mean he's better than she is? No. Does that mean that she is more valuable to God? Or he is more valuable to God? No. Does that mean that uh, she or he is uh, uh, more intelligent? No. He's simply showing you the order of creation. And if you'll read throughout Paul's writings, you'll find him continuing to give the order of that creation. He says that Man, and this, this, I only have time for the original. Man is the image and reflection of God. Woman is the image and reflection of man. In the one chapter on hair alone, he goes back to the creation six times. And says man is not out, out of the woman, but the woman is out of the man. And the man is not for the woman, but the woman is for man. 
And he goes on and talks about you display by your looks. Why is hair important? Because man is the image and reflection of God. When God looks at him, he sees his image. He sees his reflection. But to show the difference, she was made differently. Wasn't even the same process. And once again, I say it has nothing to do with value, but you've got to keep in mind the order of creation. And he says that it's because of this that uh, we are to have the difference in the dress and the difference in uh, the way that the hair is cut. A woman praying or prophesying with her hair cut dishonors her head. And the scripture says that man is the head of the woman. Man praying with his hair uh, long dishonors his head, which is God. Amen. God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of woman. We keep that in order and we don't get that mixed up. Why? What happens when we get mixed up? Who and what is first and what is second? Paul says we lose our identity. And the chapter that probably got him beheaded was Romans 1. Where he says when they knew him as God, didn't glorify him as God, get all mixed up. And when they began to dishonor their bodies, you have homosexuality and uh, all of this other. When man forgets that God is the creator he turns out to be hardly any better than a beast. It says they work things among themselves that are impossible. And finally, God gives them over to the word reprobate means a worthless mind. It is not that they can't remember but it is in a worthless mind as far as God is concerned. And don't tell me we don't have the problem in the world right now, uh, the cross-dressing and all of the politics that's going on with the homosexuals and, and uh, the president saying there's got to be a certain number of homosexuals in the cabinet, and et cetera. And they said, don't tell me we don't have a problem, my friend. Uh, it is an abomination, which means God is shamed by that. Amen? Because God knows how he started it all. And nobody's feelings ought to be hurt. Any church organization that feels that it's in error or that they're putting down one or either of the sex because they are adhering to the scripture. They are not understanding it. Paul says, I'm talking a mystery, but I'm speaking to the church. Praise God. If anybody ought to understand it, it's the church. I have my hair like it is, is what I've got. Amen. I have it like it is because I need to pray quite often. And when I go before God, I want to show him that I realize that man is in the image and the reflection of God. Women have authority on your head because of the angels or messengers. 
just doesn't mean good angels, but, it, but it's messengers. Why? Because they were present when this creation was going on and they know the order. And when you appear in prayer differently, he says, with your hair cut, word is kome, purely cut, when you appear and you pray in this manner, there are other creatures watching you. We're talking about authority. She needs authority on her head because you've stepped into a spiritual realm and there are other creatures and they get mixed up when they see you trying to act like a man and they get mixed up when they see a man trying to act like a woman. Amen. Sissies are not made for the kingdom of God. No, the kingdom of God are made for sissies. Amen. When you go to prayer and you're not right, it's not done right, you may be like the sons of Sceva. They saw the apostles casting out devils. They said, let's try that. Well, at least they got an answer. They said that the devil spoke back and said, Jesus, we know. And Paul, we know. And I imagine every devil in hell said, amen, we know Paul. Amen. But the question is, who are you? When you go to prayer, you want to make sure the whole universe knows who you are. Hallelujah to God. I'm a child of God and I believe that God is the creator and I believe there was an order in creation and I've come in my place. Thank God. And we've been, we've been doing a lot of rebuking of devils around here. You better know your place. Amen. If you don't have authority, you'll say, who are you? Amen. We're going to say, get out of here, devil. Who are you? You don't look like what you're supposed to look like. Somebody said, God just pays attention to the inside of a man. Whoever told you that? Where is that the Bible? Thank God. It tells you how you're supposed to look, how you're supposed to act, how you're supposed to dress. Thank God it is to be with modest attire for the women. Men's problem, they're not supposed to have that on to start with. It assumes they will not do that. Their problem is arguing with God. Amen. The idea of power. And I'm telling you that I believe in the United Pentecostal Church, there's a whole lot of people that misunderstand the relationship of husband and wife. And we have an idea of power. And we have an idea that the other one does not want to submit to that. 
Peter said when he wrote about it, talking about Sarah and Abraham, this is the original Greek, that there is not one bit of intimidation that she felt. The wife is not supposed to feel one bit of intimidation, but it's supposed to be love. How much do you love? How do you love? You love it like it's your own body and no man has yet ever hated his own body and you don't put your wife in an embarrassing situation and make her look foolish and poke fun at her and put her down because you don't like to be done that way yourself. Christ does not put his body down. Hallelujah to God. But I tell you what he does. He raises it up. The word nourish is there means to nourish it so that it can grow up. Glory to God. He also keeps it warm. Thank God he keeps it fine and fit. I'm sorry, my friend, but when you get a little bit too tough and you think you've got the power, you just better keep your hand down, reaching up to God until you learn how to behave in holiness. When you think you're going to give her a little slap, you're out of line. When you think you're going to give her a tongue lashing just to make yourself feel better, you're out of line. Christ never does anything for the church simply to make himself feel better. He does it to lift us up. I believe he's interested in us today, don't you? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I believe that when a man and a woman comes to be married, there is a mystical, spiritual thing that goes on. That in God's eyes, from the side of that man comes that bride. And he is supposed to say, at last. And I've seen a lot of them look like that, at last. Amen. Oh, yeah. But this is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. Thank God. And I'm going to care for it. And I'm going to cherish it. And we need that lesson among us like nothing else. There are too many people getting divorced. It is being done too much. When you talk about holiness... There wasn't any other one that Adam could have chosen had he divorced. <laughs> that was it. I either go with her or I stay here and walk about in this garden. Somebody said, what a choice the man made. It's showing you how much he loved her. And I don't think we will understand the mysterion of that phrase until we realize the choice the man made. We'll never realize what holiness is, what it is between a man and a woman. The Pharisees, says Moses, 
uh, gave a letter of divorcement. Jesus said it was because of the hardness of their hearts that he permitted it. He didn't say it's right, but he said from the beginning. It was not so. Why are you talking about the beginning? Because that's where holiness starts. You got to go back to the beginning. Praise God. When you want to preach holiness, you got to go back to the beginning because that's where it all started. Amen. There is no other. This is it. I'm sorry. But there is an idea among us that it's all right. But when Jesus said it wasn't so from the beginning, then I'm telling you, we've got to believe exactly what he says. Amen? Amen. Thank God. The times that it is spoken that we are to be holy because he is holy. The idea is I am made in his image and in his reflection. His reflection, I am supposed to be uh, his image and reflection. Being that the case, the effort is being made and should be made that I become more in his likeness every day. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to look anyway. I don't want to dress anyway. Other than what I feel like that he would be. The scripture says we're not like Moses who hung a rag over his face when the glory faded. But we look into a mirror day after day and we watch ourselves being changed into his image from brilliance to brilliance, from shining to shining. It goes on. Praise God. That is the reason that you and I, holiness is not just a standard. And somebody said, well, we've got to pay attention to the different cultures that we're in. We don't pay attention to any culture we go back to the beginning and we see what God intended everything to be made let me give you one last scripture if I may to help you all along this line of culture fad and fashion try to keep up with it if the church is not careful we'll try to keep up with some of the other church trends what fellowship is light with darkness? What have we to do with them? Amen. Listen to this. Long before that uh, they discovered, uh, said they discovered the world was round, God knew it already. James said, every good and full gift is coming down from the Father of lights. I believe he's the father of lights in, in whom there is no parallax. The word in Greek is parallege. It is our word parallax, which you find on optical instruments. You find it on cameras. When you see a parallax viewfinder, it means the little hole that you're looking through is adjusted so that out there you don't cut their head off because you're looking through that particular hole. But it is adjusted so that you get what you're looking at. Amen. In him there is no parallax. There is no need to figure for adjustments. 
Glory to God. Did you hear it? There is no need to figure. I believe where it says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know how they say that in Greek? They use the relative pronoun. He is himself today, tomorrow, and into the ages and of the ages. Whatever full and perfect gift is coming down from the Father of lights in whom there is no need to figure for variations. From generation to generation and from culture to culture, there's no need to figure in that at all. Neither is there a shadow cast. This is the way the original reads. Neither is there a shadow cast by orbital turning. In between sunrise and noon, wherever you stand, there is a shadow cast. Between noon and sunset, there is a shadow cast. But in him, there is never a shadow cast. You know what it means? He's always directly overhead. I don't believe God has changed what he likes from the time that man began. I don't believe God has changed what his ideas are going to be. Paul says, brethren, it is so late that it doesn't make any difference whether you're married. He that's married is the same that's not married. And he that's, and my, my sweet little uh, granddaughters don't like to hear that. I tell them, Paul says, you do well if you marry, but you do better if you don't marry. Amen. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, but he said the time is coming when it won't make any difference. For where it says the fashion of this world is passing away, the word is schema. Where our word scheme comes from. But it meant the actor's mask. He can put on the mask and it'd be a smiling mask, and he can come out and make everybody laugh. But he can go behind curtain and put on a different face and come out, and it'd be sad and make everybody cry. The world is always changing its face. And God helped the poor child of God that's trying to keep up with the fashion of this world because it's passing away. The day is coming when the fads and fashion of this world is going to pass away and I want to be somewhere in the bosom of God when all that takes place. You know where you wind up when men forget their men and women forget their women? You know where they wind up? Same place. My friend, as somebody told me, I didn't see it, we don't have television. Amen. But on a, on a Seinfeld, whoever he is, a Jewish name, but on his program, they discussed their intimate association with animals. Bestiality. 
Don't think that it's not rampant in the world today. Because when men try everything and they forget who the creator is and they begin to change the way they look and the way they are, even trying to change their own bodies, amen, when they begin to forget that, they wind up with Sodom. Amen. And that mainly was bestiality. Oh my. The next thing you know, when you get that low, life isn't worth living anymore. Paul Harvey said the other day, the Dr. Kevorkian made the statement, we should do away with religion in America. And we ought to burn every religious book. He's the same fellow that says, here, take this pill and go ahead and, and die. It's the same thing the devil told and will tell everybody, told Jesus, jump off here. You want to know where he'll take you? He'll finally take you to the place where you've tried everything, you've done everything. Finally, he says, just jump off here. There's no hope except in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, my friend, I believe there's this such a hope in the heart of the child of God that it directs them every day. A woman that is holy does not have problems with how she looks or with submission because she understands that this is the way that God wants her to be. This is what he plans for her to be. He does not plan for her to be a man. And the man is supposed to realize every day, I've got to look like him. I've got to try to be more like him. And when you give your neighbor a cussing, you're as far as you can be. Amen. Beating your wife, that's right. Whatever else is going on. Holiness is not just in the way you look, but it will finally show itself on the outside. It eventually will. We're not talking about women preachers. The Bible says a woman prays or prophesies. Amen. She's got to do that with her head covered as well. This one fellow that left us says that means to wear a veil. I beg your humble pudding. But the word peribellon, the word veil, uh, does not appear in that verse until the 13th verse where it says, Her hair is given to her instead of a covering. Praise God. The word is anti. In place of, instead of a covering her hair. It is not talking about a veil anywhere in there. The word veil does not appear except in that one place where the apostle says her hair is given to her instead of a covering. Praise God. 
Amen. That's why you don't see many bald women. Maybe some, but not that many. But a whole lot of bald men. He must be getting me ready to look like him. I don't know. Thank God. He's, he's clearing it off. However it is, I'm not ashamed of it. Thank God. I didn't, I didn't pull it out. Amen. I didn't pull it out. And I'm not, I'm not curling it. And I'm just keeping her clean and keeping it cut. And, and I'm keeping my body covered up here. I had I'd hate to, I'd hate to be uncovered up here today, Amen. Thank God, I, I don't ever get out and run around in, in the, in these shorts. I don't ever uh, get out and run around like that. I don't have any pretty legs, and, and I am surprised at the, some of these people, the way they think they look, Amen. You're talking about fat tubs wearing tight pants, and you, and it looks like a hog trying to waddle through a mud pile, Amen. If they think that's pretty. They're nuttier than a fruitcake. Amen. I am surprised at what the world thinks is beauty. I'll tell you what God thinks is beauty. I'll tell you what it is. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Hallelujah. Salvation is what is beautiful to him. I believe this is beautiful here today. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you're filled with the Spirit of God and you got Him on the inside? That thing you've got on the inside is going to keep changing you and keep working on you until you become exactly like Him. Hallelujah. And when I walk into His presence, I'll know Him because I'm going to be like Him. Because I'm going to see Him as He is. Oh, what a sound. Hallelujah. What a sound. The saints of God praising Him. Glory, glory. You can just remain standing. I'm coming to a close. Let me tell you how it's going to sound in heaven. Different sounds of praise that are going on. One time it's, it's described as the sound of many waters. It is a continuous roar of praise that's going on. Hallelujah to God. I, I listened last night and, and I think it is our ineptness. Not saying anything about our leaders. We try, we want people to worship and we try it again. That's all right. But I tell you, there won't be anybody having to say praise the Lord when we get there. We won't have to say, won't you clap your hands. It's all right for us to do that here because we're not there. Amen. We're trying to get there. But brother, when we get there, you're going to hear like one continuous roar of praise that's going on. One continuous roar. And then there's going to be identification of different groups such as the 144,000 praise is going to sound the word is plural, thunders is plural, it means peals of thunder while the sound is continuous of praise of the rushing water, the saints of God, there's somebody that joins in every now and then that came from a particular situation that's going to bust out in praise and sound like a clap of thunder. Hallelujah to God. So you got roar, you got roaring going on in praise, and you've got the bust of thunder coming through. Hallelujah to God. Amen. And they praise God. 
from different ages, from different times, from different cultures. I tell you, the last hour of the church must be one of those peals of thunders. When there's so much pressure on the church, when we are under pressure, Satan is trying to wear out the saints of the Most High God. I'm asking you, could we slow down just a little bit and let's stop trying to keep up with the world? You want to know what will wear you out? Is wanting to be holy like God? And he didn't get in a hurry? No, he didn't get scared. They came to him and said, Dad, did you know that Herod's trying to kill you? He said, you go tell that fox that I'm going to work today. And then I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to work tomorrow. Hallelujah. It's all planned. It's all planned. It's all programmed. I'm going to work today. I'm going to work tomorrow. And then the third day, it's all going to be over with. It'll be perfected. Would you please slow down and stop worrying and trying to match everybody in the way they look and the way they act and the way they do business and the way they live their lives? It's wearing us out. You can't have revival anymore because people are worn out. Hmm. I would, I would prove to you in closing, I promise, by one scripture, God has it all planned. I don't have to worry about a thing. He knocked Saul down on the Damascus road. <laughs> knocked him down. And he told him, he said, get up. Go into, Jer- uh, into Damascus. And I will show you what things I have arranged for you. Where you've got, now why tarryest thou? The word is a participle melanta. Now what are you going to do about it? Praise God. I believe he's got everything outlined for me. I believe he's got everything fixed out. Thank God he knows where I'm supposed to be. There is a will of God for my life. Now all he's doing is saying, Trees, what are you going to do about it now? Are you going to get in there and walk every day and live every day like I'm asking you to live? Hallelujah. When we become holy like he is holy, we live only for him. And we're not trying to impress the world. We're not trying to impress anybody. Oh, glory to God. I'm supposed to be here today. I believe God has this all arranged. I believe we're in the will of God. It's all the will of God. What am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? I'm going to move whether I feel like it or not. Thank God. I'm going to preach if they don't like it. Hallelujah to God. I don't care. Somebody said, does that mean no? I've got a boss. And I'm not afraid. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to work today. And then if there's tomorrow, I'm going to work tomorrow. But I don't know whether it's the next millennial or whether it's next year. But the third day, be perfected, and I'll be out of here.
And Sister Terry, I'll be glad to change this body for a glorious body like unto his. Hallelujah. I've talked with her at times at length about pain. Pain, people don't know about pain. That's right, Brother One writer said about it, There is in pain a certain blank so that it cannot remember a day when it began or an hour in which it did not exist. It lives only for itself to anticipate new periods of pain. Someday, amen, pains that rack these bodies are going to be taken away. And I want the body he's going to give me. I'll put it on. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more tears. Because the old things, old things have passed away. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Praise God. Doctor said, Reverend, I don't see how with that steel ladder that you've got in your back and you stand on your feet and preach for an hour. He said, I don't see how you do it. I said, I got to tell you, the only time I'm free of pain is when I'm standing in the pulpit and I'm preaching the word of God. I shall know him, I shall know him. As redeemed in his presence I shall stand. I'll know him, I shall know him. By the prints of the nails in his hand. But never forget this either. I'm going to look at that face. That the scripture says was beat off for me. And I'm going to remember the pain that he suffered. I love you. What are you supposed to say when somebody tells you they love you? I love you too. Thank you. Amen. I hope you do better than that as husbands and wives. I love you. I love you too. I love the Lord. He is above all. God blessed forever.